the basic purpose and why we talk about stories on Sunday mornings is because we want to get out into the atmosphere um, a different flavor than the vanilla that everybody consumes. You can't watch virtually a movie or a video series on Amazon or Netflix without encountering trauma or drugs. They're the unifying theme of everything. So I watched a series that was well done called Pleasant Valley. It was British. And it turned out that the root cause of all problems was drugs. Uh, the hero is a, a policewoman, um, very dignified and had good relationships. And it turns out her ex-husband, she says, why don't you investigate drugs and how they cause all our problems? Um, it turns out that um, a group of kids is taking drugs. And at some point in the second season, they start cutting, uh, they start cutting off animals' heads. <laughs> which sounds like a story that Carl Hart talks about. Like, mm. uh, that's a standard story about meth or PCP. Um, the series goes on to say, I, I don't want people to think marijuana is just harmless. So here I am watching a very well done drama um, set in Britain, not even in moralistic United States. And it's unbelievably pre-antibellum drug war we're going all the way back but and the remarkable number of stories have as their base some kind of a drug uh theme um how drugs are ruining people or how there's some organization selling drugs these exist in the world i know but while carl hart the drug policy alliance and other organizations are trying to get us to deal in a more reasonable way with drugs as just one part of normal human experience. What they're fighting is a constant bombardment in the media of fictional versions of how drugs conquer people's lives and ruin them. Um, we get, likewise, we get a constant stream of people in recovery. They finally solve their problems because they end up in AA or NA, which is hardly uh, the answer to people's lives um, in most cases. And then a new theme that's been added on, which is a part of virtually every series and TV show and movie you see now, is trauma. Um, people are peeling back the story to uncover the trauma that caused them to go off track, that changed their, a la Gabor Mate, their brains in a permanent way, that have damaged them for life. And so our theme in our book, Outgrowing Addiction, is that uh, development is a lifetime process, that people overcome addictions at all points along the way, that we don't recommend trauma, of course, and yet remarkably, most people overcome traumas and often they ignore them successfully. They don't, you're constantly hearing people say things like, um, I didn't realize I was really deprived. Right now um, in the National Basketball Association, um, one of the people who's one of the stars on the Miami team 
is the guy who was his mother kicked him out of his house when he was 16. And he doesn't spend time talking about how traumatized and deprived he was. He talks about how he achieved success and the great success he has. And so this Sunday story is about a TV series on Amazon, I'm sorry, on Netflix called The Good Life. And I originally resisted The Good Life because I thought when they talked about somebody um, telling stories in heaven, that it was going to be some way, something like Stairway to Heaven mm. or another one of those stories about angels. And I'm, I'm just not a fan of that kind of movie. But as one of the side benefits of the pandemic, um, I tuned into it and I was shocked. It was totally different than I thought. Very well done, very funny. Um, when I wrote my daughter Anna Peel about it, she says, Dad, that's my favorite comedy of the last five years. <laughs> yeah. And that's my daughter's line of work is um, being aware of popular media, media and interviewing people in popular media, media. And so it centers around the woman, I mean, it's hilarious just to start with, who somehow gets into the good place, which let's call it a version of heaven by mistake. There's some technicality and she gets thrown in there. And in fact, um, She's bad. She's not community oriented. She's not a person who cares about other people. She's always trying to cheat, um, get things for herself and disregarding other human beings. But she ends up in the good place where with a lot of good people who are very community oriented, very selfless, very nice. And so it's a developmental story. Mm. It's a life. It's it's not a lifetime developmental story. It's a post-life developmental story. They continue to develop and grow even after death, post right mortem. Which we're, we're not here to encourage. <laughs> Wait, we yeah, right. You don't have to get to the other side to, to start developing, right? Right. We're uh, we're pro life life development. The life process imply it doesn't imply it declares that you have to be alive. So we only deal with live clients. Mm -hmm. And at one point in episode, in the first season, episode nine, I was discussing this with you and you were aware of it. Um, the main character, the woman, starts making excuses for why she used to be so bad. And she said, my parents were divorced. And she happens to be interacting at that time with the man who stands in for the devil. And he starts making fun of her. He starts saying, Oh, well, that only covers 50% of the people in the world, you know? <laughs> and it turns out that the person whose place she took in heaven has showed up. And that person modestly recounts her life story, which is just beyond belief, the things that have happened to her. Um, she, she's just been abandoned and lived on her own and out in the wild and encountered the most horrible sorts of traumas and setbacks. And yet, she, in terms of the program, she's a genuinely good person. Um, she cares about other people. Um, she has a positive demeanor. And as I'm watching this, I'm saying, oh my God, somebody has made a very good, very popular show, which is the opposite 
of a trauma-based show. Mm. It's a show that's saying, you know, let's get over this trauma thing. Everybody has some kind of experience that could be considered traumatic, which they say in the show. Um, that's not a lifetime pass to be, in terms of the show, evil. Um, in fact, people overcome these things all the time. And people define trauma up and down. Um, the person who had real trauma in her life was actually the person who was most modest in recounting that in her life. And the person with sort of the least smallest claim to trauma is the one who builds it up as an all-purpose excuse for misbehavior and for leading a right. less than admirable life. Right. It's funny because that episode specifically, I went back and watched it preparing for our conversation today. And so I know now what you were talking about, that this one character uh, had this traumatic past and they were talking about how she became a pro-social and sort of healthful and helpful person nonetheless. So that is sort of a, an acute version of the, the way that the show talks about trauma in a, in a silly way or like a, a caricature of the idea that trauma is define you. Funny enough, I think that the entire series pokes fun at the idea that your past necessarily defines you. Not that your past isn't a prologue. Obviously, there's a sequence of things. Your past informs who you are now, but it doesn't define who you are now. And they even make a... I'm trying to think about ways to say this without spoiling anything, but they even have a count at one point where they say, you know, well, who, who decides who gets to be up here? They said, well, it's the algorithm. You know, you count all the good stuff you've done and you count it against all the bad stuff you've done. And you know, just the whole idea that you can't change is the, is the comedy. You know, that's what you watch it and you inherently say, Haha, yeah, wouldn't that be stupid? The guy who, uh, uh, the chief angel, Sam from uh, yeah. uh, Ted Danson. Ted Danson. He keeps referring, they say, well, how do you get here? And he keeps referring to the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> and the algorithm actually is so stupid, it assigns points for every good and bad thing you do, and it adds them up. It's right. ridiculous. And it's, and, as you say, it's created by people who are anti-deterministic. Um, it's, uh, it's a show made by people who believe in free will. It's a free will show. Um, and it, it's, a, it's, it's about how, how can you possibly assign people to heaven and then they periodically describe the bad place and it's, they re play recordings. And it's just like hell boiled over, you know, like Dante's Inferno. How could there be a system that adds that all up and sends you to one place or the other and it, it seems as though if you were like one point over the line, you go one place or you go the other place. Uh, it, 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 the whole show is making fun of a predetermination and uh, opposing the free will that we all have. And in the same way, it's a developmental program. It's a program that shows that in a warm community um, with caring people, you can change and it goes through the ridiculous ways in which she decides that she's going to change or display that she's a good or a caring person. It deals with incredibly deep philosophical issues. And I know you're a person who's 
uh, delved into philosophy. I, 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 philosophy is too deep for me. I'm always trying to deal with the here and now and people's practical experiences. So when our philosophy buddy starts lecturing about philosophy, I turn off my ears a little bit. And it's how, but shows about how to translate these deep philosophical notions of free choice, of caring, of community into actual activity. So it's a remarkably therapeutic and clinically oriented show. And I find myself, I don't know about the creators of the show. It, it lists the person who, after every show, whose idea was. Um, but I'm so happy that there are people out there. Uh, I was mentioning to you South Park. South Park is, was a colossally uh, popular show. It's still around, of course. And they did a show making fun of uh, one of the kids' uh, father going to AA. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, oh my God, there's still free spirits out there. There's still people out there who believe in individual determination, the strength of community, the value of comedy, the choices that we can make in life. The whole world hasn't, as I began this little segment, turned itself over to the trauma machine. Right. So that everybody's laboring under trauma that they can never escape from. Every bad thing that happens is due to trauma. Every bad act that you can trace by other people or yourself is due to some trauma, some inescapable trauma that you got buried deep within you that you must focus on. It's funny you said, you mentioned the part about philosophy and, you know, I'm watching this guy preaching, teaching philosophy, preaching philosophy and getting nowhere, spinning his wheels in this show. That's sort of, that's part of the joke too. It's like, you almost want to say, well, how did someone, it, 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 of course the person with trauma who would then better their lives would get to that good place. You almost wonder, well, how did this guy, you know, he's, what, what value did he bring to the world when he was just, uh, you know, going in depth on things that don't really matter in the practical here and now? They made, the joke is that he can't actually make it. This, he's a nice guy. Right, right. He's not a malicious person, but he can't do anything. Uh, you know, he try, uh, they make a joke about how he couldn't possibly organize um, uh, a, a, a wedding party for his best friend. <laughs> because they're all the possible choices in life that he had to face up to. So I'm so happy that there's things out there that engage real. And the fact that both South Park and The Good Place, they're funny. They engage real philosophical, humanistic, what we would regard as clinical and helpful issues in a way that's explicitly anti-trauma-oriented and anti-disease-oriented, well, it cheers me up during the pandemic. It makes me feel there are good values out there to compete against what, I, what we see as being the um, disease and trauma antithetical values to, to actually allowing people to live a good life. Let's break you down a little bit so you can build back up. Um, I was just on a podcast with a person that we both know named Adam Lowry. I don't know if you remember doing his show. He has a show called The Cognitive Rampage. And he was talk we were talking about our book and the Life Process Program on the podcast. And one of the things he said, of course, he agrees with us wholeheartedly. He, he could, you know, when I told him I was writing a book with you, he couldn't even believe it. And he, he mentioned, you know, I try to talk to people practically about this, people who kind of in other domains dimensions of their life would agree with the 
you know, trauma doesn't, who cares in some sense, in some ways, of course, it's deeply important in some ways, uh, you know, you don't recommend it, like you say, but what does that mean? You had traumas in your life. What does that mean about here and now? And he said, well, there are people he talks to that the emotional salience of that theory is just so now hardwired into them almost that, that they can't get beyond it. Like my brother died and it's still with me. And every time I, you know, pass this one spot on the highway, I think about him and it makes me tear up. And how are you going to tell me that trauma is not real? So that's, I've got two kind of big questions for you. One is to what extent is trauma and thinking about trauma, to what extent is trauma real? To what extent is thinking about it valuable and not, I guess I'll leave it there before we get too far. Well, I, I, when you mentioned that, um, I only had one sibling, a brother who committed suicide. Mm. Now that wasn't a childhood uh, event. He did it when we were both adults. He was 59 years old. Um, so, you know, am I traumatized? Um, my ex-wife, I don't want to digest her material. She had two brothers and one of them committed suicide. Um, and as I said, I was once on a recovery. Uh, we're now in the middle of recovery month. I was on a recovery show and uh i was talking to people about how they communicate to their children things like they were both the recovery they should never drink and i said because they were likely to be alcoholics i said you know my wife and i never once said to our children you know you come from suicides on both sides of their parents mm -hmm. that's something you've got to guard against for your entire life who would do that and in that case, it's obvious that what you want your children to do is to develop a good life, to feel good about themselves, to develop positive interests, to have work that they care about, to have relationships that work for them, to feel that they have control of their lives. That's what you want in life. And trauma theory, by focusing people on their worst moments of their lives, almost exactly does the opposite of that. Um, of course, you need to acknowledge bad events that are parts of people's lives, but all of the most successful therapies are ones that are forward-looking. Um, they help you to organize your feelings in a way that allow you to go forward. And I take that even one step forward. I'm not going to, the people I work most closely with in my life, well, that would include you and others, all of them have backgrounds that if somebody wanted to could call traumatic, like yeah, yeah. an alcoholic father. Let's just, let's pick one thing that happens. And it only, I, I, when I first met these people, I didn't think, oh my God. Um, well, I did think these are people who've undergone and experienced pain and difficulty in their life. And yet here they are presenting themselves as being ready to live life and go forward and to embrace new and positive experiences with me and with the world. I didn't have an explicit philosophy then, but I think I could state it this way. And, and I don't want to be glib. Um, as you said, we don't recommend trauma or mis abuse of anybody 
but that in a certain way, uh, by the way, I was talking to another person you and I both know, uh, Sean um, Kenning, um, and he has a background. I say, I feel that people in a way are fortunate when they've had a less than ideal life experience. They understand that there's a downside to life. Uh, they understand that everything's not positive, yet they know that they have the ability to surmount it. They're not people that are just going to go along giving you digested white bread and say, oh, everything's fine, like, you know, Nancy Reagan, just just say no. Right. On the other hand, they're not going to dwell on, and I realize now that the people that were close to me are like, I don't want to hang around negative people. I don't want to spend my time dwelling on negative things. I want to embrace life. I want to move forward. I want to embrace relationships. I, I realize now that I, what I appreciate about them the most is that they're people who would say, I don't want to regard myself as a victim. I don't want to live life as a victim, which is that statement's a rejection of trauma theory is the, the term, the basic determinant in your life. And so in a strange way, even before I was even engaged in these issues, um, I realized that I was an anti-trauma philosopher, that I was looking for people who reject the role of, although they certainly didn't, weren't unaware of it, as the, as being critical and crucial in determining the rest of their lives. Now, the, the last question I have about this is, we see this all the time. It's sort of the essence of the podcast that we're doing. I'm thinking about Marty Seligman, who is like Mr. Anti-Trauma. Like, there's, kind of talks about, once you've acknowledged it, which you do, just common sense, good-hearted, spirited people acknowledge traumas and feel bad for them then once you want to do something constructive with anybody or if you really want to do good by anybody you help build them up and but he's never crossed domains and said this same holds true for addiction it's almost like the door is locked to him in the addiction department or something and i wonder if something about that is also true for makers of the show do you think people who made the good place would say you know, if they were interviewed, would say, yeah, addiction too. You know, traumas don't cause addiction. And Well, I'm, ha um, I'm happy that they say what they say. They don't have to get involved in addiction uh, like me. Um, I sometimes wonder about Marty Seligman and how far he's willing to go. Uh, mm -hmm. We have quotes in Outgrowing Addiction where he states the two essential. He says everything I just said, he says. Uh, he's written a book with a man that I know, John Tierney, about how life is planning forward. The brain, they, they go into all this biology, which I think they overdo about how we're geared towards animals even, mm. uh, decision-making going forward. They say in the book, um, Seligman says in the book, most people remarkably encounter addictions. And that's, um, I, I was just reading um, somebody uh, uh, talking during the pandemic, another a tra real trauma expert, somebody who actually does research, who says the same thing. Most people overcome traumas. That's the real basis of the research. And most successful therapies are geared towards 
um, forward thinking and, and forward planning. And forgetting about Marty Seligman talking about addiction or not, I wonder about the fact that he doesn't come out himself as an anti-trauma theorist, like somebody like Carol Tavers has, for example. True. Um, and um, it, it's almost, he, he doesn't mention Gabor Mate or anybody like that at all. He just passes off these anti-trauma analyses without noting how large a role trauma plays in life. He, uh, he's now got an institute of positive psychology. Yeah. Uh, he's so, I think he's so anti-trauma that he, that just wouldn't be his style to say he's anti-something. I mean, he's so prospection oriented that to say I'm anti-trauma would sort of contradict what he believes about how to become better. It's like, you're not, you're not anti-something, you're pro-living. And that gets, um, I mean, people object to my style of attacking the disease model. You and I personally know, I would think every leading anti-disease theorist, you and I know Johan Hari, you and I know Mark Lewis, you and I know Sally Sattel. All of them avoid attacking head on AA. They, they're they a little uh, more rambunctious when it comes to the brain theory. And all of them don't want to engage in that process. And for me, for me you have to really excavate out the bad to build the good. Mm. So that, for example, Johan Hari had uh, a piece summarizing his book um, in the Huntington Post, and it had, I don't know, two million hits or two million likes, you know, some unbelievable Johan Hari thing. Um, and in the same way, and yet the Huntington Post is incredible. I, at one point, wrote for them about addiction, but um, uh, it's devoted to the disease theory because uh, the daughter of Huntington, you know, did a cocaine thing at Yale and eventually joined the 12 steps. And they, at the same time, feed a constant stream of disease stuff. And yet then they place Johan's stuff in there. And Johan is a person who has an ability to navigate that extremely well, to tell positive stories, to tell stories that at their essence are uh, explicitly anti-disease, but not to ruffle people's feathers. And I don't believe that we're going to overcome our disease and trauma preoccupations without tackling them head on. I think that, you know, it's unpleasant and difficult. It invites a lot of negative feedback. But I don't think that uh, Johan Hari and Marty Seligman are going to succeed at what I think of as our common mission, yeah. with you and me, without being willing to take on the heat and ballast of confronting what it is that we actually disagree with that is dominating our thinking. Very well put. And that's why we're here filling in back to Sunday stories, stories, harm reduction stories on Sundays with Zach and Stanton, presenting alternative models by picking stories out of regular life with regular people, stars that we've all heard of, stars that are less well-known, um, and finding positive examples in the media that present a different template for how to go about viewing, living, and progressing in life. Brilliant. And you know what? I have to say, continue to binge watch 
the good place. I think you'll be you'll wind up emailing me when you find out how many more pings anti trauma pings you get <laughs> as you keep watching. That'll be a. Uh, I'm, I only finished season one. That'll be an assignment for all of our viewers. Excellent. All right, Zach. Happy Sunday, and we'll talk again. Happy Sunday to you.